Susong Lan Choi Kun Shinsha Kongkau Invisible God and Invisible Hands. We'll continue our sermon series Invisible God and Invisible Hands. Today we'll be concluding this series. Chapter 10. And we are now in Esther chapter 10. The topic, the invisible hands. Many years ago, Reverend Chung was the chairman of Kowi Philippines. During that time, we've invited a choir, children's choir from Taiwan. And they were invited to conduct evangelistic meetings. This choir are composed of orphans from an orphanage. And in their songs, one of their theme songs was entitled The Unseen or the Invisible Hands. And the lyrics goes like this. Though I cannot see your I cannot see you nor touch you, I know you're whispering to me. Oh Lord Jesus, oh Lord Jesus, I know you've always been there. It is your nail-pierced hand that comforts my broken heart. It's your voice and gentle words that fill the hunger of my soul. And each time the choir rendered this song, you can see many children shedding tears. Maybe they feel that they're also an orphan. And they felt the unseen God caring and looking after them. Today, as we conclude the book of Esther, chapters 1 to 9, you'll never encounter the word God in those nine chapters. However, during these nine chapters, we experience God's hand leading us through all these things. Just for example, chapter 1. Because the queen's uh, uh, display, uh, the queen did not come out at the king's request, this queen disappeared. And in the second chapter, we've seen the new queen uh, coming up, and this is Esther. And chapter 3, we uh, encountered the villain, uh, Haman. He wanted to eradicate and eliminate all the Jewish people. However, during that time, Queen Esther is already in her palace. The savior for the entire Israelites has already been placed inside the palace. It's God's magnificent hand preparing the way. In chapter 4, 
the Israelites and the queen they fasted three days and three nights in prayers. And they've changed many unimaginable unimaginable things. In chapter five. Uh, the queen went against the protocol and went in to see her, her king. And the Bible tells us the queen found favor in the eyesight of, his, of her queen. Her king. And since she found favor in her king, she was not killed and grace came upon the, uh, the queen. In chapter 6, all of a sudden, we remembered the king could not fall asleep at night. And he went to read the history book. And we've seen how Mordecai came to the picture. And that changed the entire uh, surroundings and circumstances. In chapter 7, and we see the villain, how uh, he oh, oh, tasted the fruit of his own evil scheme. The 23 feet gallo prepared for Mordecai. And it ended up he himself being hanged in that gallop. And in chapter 8, when the Israelites uh, gained power, they could defend themselves. In chapter 9, and how defeat was changed to victory. And in chapter 10, can be uh, termed as the concluding chapter of the entire book of Esther. Even though three verses can be found in this chapter. And we experienced God's invisible hands working in our midst. Not just in the kingdom, in the history, in the place of the leaders themselves. Evidently, we experience God's hand working in our midst. In the uh, point of view of nation, we found the kingdom's rise and fall are in the hands of God. In the aspect of history, you realize that history's development it is, is in God's hand. And in the, in the leader's Please. The promotion of a leader is in the hands of God. And this pair of unseen hands it is performing magnificent and wonderful deeds in many people. First, from the aspect of a nation, the rise and fall of a nation are entirely in God's hands. Let's read verse 1. King Cyrus imposed tribute throughout the empire to its distant shores. It responded, chapter 1, verse 1, in just this sentence. And this king uh, governed more than 120 provinces uh, from India to uh, Kush. Uh, this king governed throughout this place. 
If you look at this map, this is the boundary, the, the, the scope of his kingdom or territory. It's such a huge area of land. You'll see that it included Asia, Europe, and Africa. That's why in chapter 1 it says that. And uh, no, uh, irrespective of those who live in the land or in the sea, they would have to pay tribute to this king. Just think about this question. What kind of a king is King Cyrus? We can see here that this king was not a good king. And we could also see that he is neither uh, exceptionally competent. Because of uh, uh, every time he makes a decision, he will be influenced or advised by people surrounding him. And we could also see that this king was emotional and impulsive. If you read chapter 1, in those few verses, you'll see how he turned from extremely happy to somebody who's angry. Personally, I'm so scared to work with such people. When you meet this person in the morning, they'll be full of joy. And suddenly, the facial expression, the emotion would change. It's very difficult to work with such people. When you enter the office, all your colleagues should look at how this man, this person is feeling. The facial expression, is he or she happy? And then we'll have a good time the, at work today. Today, if this person entered the office with a mad face, no one dare say any word. And the entire office atmosphere will be cold. If you are such a person, people will be afraid of you. King Cyrus was such a person. His emotional swing is uh, so extreme. In chapter 3, and suddenly he, uh, this person Haman found favor in his eyes. What kind of a person is he? You can describe with one word. Killing a person is small thing to this person. He wanted to eliminate the entire race, the entire Jewish nation. It's a small thing to this person if you kill a person. A man's life is worth nothing in this person's eyes. He could be considered another Hitler. As such a cruel person. You may ask, how come this person found favor in the eyes of the king? Chinese has a very uh, appropriate sentence to explain. Birds of the same feather would flock together. What does it mean? People who behave or who have the same nature tend to go along with each other. It's but natural phenomena. If you love to eat foods, 
not long after, you'll find people surrounding you also having the same appetite. Because those who do not like to eat will leave you. If you love to play, if you love to travel, just look at the people surrounding you. Most of them would behave in the same manner. Those who dislike traveling would not go along well with you. For, because this, by your friends, we will know what kind of person you are. Because people who behave and who have the same characteristics tend to be good friends. And that's why Haman and this King Severus are of the same type. They are such a cruel and heartless individual. Because when Haman presented this to the king, the, the report was there's a certain type of people in our country today they are useless to our nation we can totally eliminate them and the king did not ask anything what, who are they what kind of people are they how many people are there the king did not say any word he readily agreed to such suggestion and they considered human lives as uh, with of no value. Now you understand why he could go along well with this villain because he himself was one. <laughs> However, and yet, God allowed King Severus to govern and control 127 provinces. <laughs> And the Cantonese saying, could that be a mistake? Many times, we're so amazed and surprised. How can a person such as this person be in a high position? And how come such a good individual is not given that position? Dear church, this is a very important truth that you need to understand. In the case of an individual or in a whole nation, the rise and fall of a person and a nation belongs to God. God has his own reason to cause this nation to rise. Uh, the preceding nation before Persia was Babylon. If you read the book of Daniel, and you'll find out in those chapters, there was a dream that came to the king Nebuchadnezzar. A big image was presented in that dream. The head was made of pure gold. The chest and arms are made of silver. The belly and the thigh of bronze. And his leg of iron the feet partly of iron and of baked clay. And suddenly a huge stone came and smashed through this statue. The entire statue was destroyed. It is placed a huge mountain that fills heaven and earth. The king could not understand 
the meaning of this dream. Daniel to explain. And he asked Daniel to explain the dream. The head of uh, made of pure gold is the nation called Babylon. And after Babylon, another nation was given. Silver. And it's made of silver. The history has proven this. Medes and Persian. And the third nation, it's just like a belly and tie of bronze. And history has proven that this is Greece. The fourth empire. It's um, like a, uh, an iron. And the history tells us that this is the Roman Empire. And in the future, a big stone that smashed all the nations and kingdoms of the world. And it displays a huge mountain of rose. It filled the whole world. And this is the kingdom that our Lord Jesus Christ will establish. Everything in this world happens in accordance to God's plan. Daniel made this conclusion. Found in Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 to 21. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. He changes time and seasons. He deposes king and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. And Daniel said, He deposes the kings and raises up others. A nation will rise in God's hands. Though the king was not a good king, though he was not exceptionally competent, and yet in God's will and his time, he became the king of uh, Persia. Do you know the reason? And in the entire history, you can never imagine that this will happen. God made use of this nation, Prussia, to accomplish many things. During his reign, they, they allowed Zerubbabel to lead the Jews back to Jerusalem to rebuild God's temple. And during this empire, they allowed Ezra to return back to Jerusalem to rebuild God's people. And similarly, under his empire and during his watch, they allowed Nehemiah to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall. God allowed this Gentile, the pagan king, in order to fulfill and accomplish God's work. Dear church, please pay attention to this. God can accomplish his work through those who are unbelievers, to, uh, through those people who are against him. If you understand today's uh, phenomena, situation, 
I wonder if you'll be worried. Maybe you're so happy because you're oblivious and unaware of what's happening. But in reality, uh, there's a tension in the international politics or scene. We, we, we know that the Russian-Ukraine war is not yet over. And we've seen the tension happening each day between Europe, U.S. and China. And similarly, the problem with the streets, Taiwan and China is becoming more and more serious. Many people were afraid that the war might soon break out. Then I was asked this question. Pastor, will China attack Taiwan? My answer is, I don't know. I really don't know. Only God knows. But I know something more important. Someday, all nations of the world will be destroyed. China, US included. Because the Bible said that found in the book of Revelations, chapter 11, verse 15. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and His Messiah, and He will reign forever and ever. Someday, all nations of the world will disappear, including China. Because all nations of the world will become God's nation. He will reign as our Lord forever and ever. May the Lord help us. Please remember the rise of a nation is entirely in God's hand and not in the hands of anybody. May God help us. We need to have faith and hope before us. Secondly, the development of history is in God's hand. If you read verse 2, and all his acts of power and might together with a full account of the greatness of Mordecai, whom the king had promoted, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Media and Persia? If you read the last uh, sentence, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Media and Persia? What does it mean? It means that what happened are true events in history. The story of Esther was not written by somebody else. What happened to Esther was recorded in the annals of history. I believe you've heard this sentence. History is his story. It's very meaningful. History is his story. If you look at this word, it's the history is God's story. For our God is a God of history. He is the director behind all scenes in the history. And he is the one who produced this film. The 
all stories in the history were all created and directed and uh, led by God. So and that's why we can say this. Uh, everything that happened in the Bible are not coincidental events, but they are incidences that happened in God's plan. Because everything happened according to God's plan in the arrangement. Allow me to share with you these two stories to prove. The first happened in the story of Abraham, whose descendants obtained the promised land 400 years later. When God spoke to Abraham, you leave this place, you go to a place called Promised Land. When Abraham arrived at this Promised Land, he was afraid and he was scared. Because this place is not a place that is uninhabited. He discovered that there were so many inhabitants in that land. And at that time, you might say, God, did you fool me? Pastor, I'll be gifting you. I'll be give you a gift, a house. And I'm uh, grateful and say, really? Yes. And then you brought me to this place. This house now belongs to you. And when I knock on the door, I discovered that there are already occupants. You lied to me. In the same way, when God gave this piece of land to Abraham, Abraham soon found out that there are already so many inhabitants. And God asked Abraham to wait. You wait 400 years. And after 400 years, this piece of land will belong to you. Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 to 14. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and, not, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward, they will come out with great possessions. You wait 400 years. Is it true? Let's read Exodus chapter 12, verses 40 to 41. Now the land of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years to the very day, all the Lord's division left Egypt. To the very day, until that very day when the Israelites left Egypt. 430 years later, the Israelites left Egypt and entered into the promised land. Imagine. Just imagine that. 430 years ago, God already knew what will happen. For God is the God of history. He allowed everything to happen in accordance to God's time. And another wonderful thing, when King Josiah tore down the altars of idols do you know the story? after King Solomon's time uh, 
the entire Israel nation was subdivided into two nations, two parts. The northern nations and the southern nations. The northern the first king of the northern kingdom is Jeroboam. Because he want, he uh, doesn't want the Israelite to go back to Judah and worship God. He intentionally built a golden calf so that the Israelite need not travel south to worship God. And he led the people in the northern kingdom in sinning against God by worshiping this idol. When God sent the man of God to rebuke King Jeroboam, let's read how he replied. Altar, altar. This is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings there, and human bones will be born on you. Someday, a son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. When this person arrives, he will destroy the altar. And he will burn all the human bones. Pay attention. 312 years later. And there's a king called King Ammon. He had a son by the name of Josiah. Josiah became a king at the age of eight. And when he reached the age 18, he wanted to rebuild God's holy temple. He led all the Israelites, God's people, to come into a new covenant with God. And when they arrived at Bethlehem, he destroyed all the altars that are worshipping idols. 2 Kings chapter 23 verses 16 to 17. Then Josiah looked around, and when he saw the tombs that were there on the hillside, he had the bones removed from them and burned the on the altar to defile it, in accordance with the word of the Lord proclaimed by the man of God who foretold these things. 312 years ago, God sent a man of God to make this prophecy. Someday, a person whose name will be Josiah, he will arrive at this place and he will destroy or remove the altar. Imagine. Just imagine that. A son that you will have 312 years later, God already knew. Dear church, if God will bless you with a child, it's God's blessing. If God will not allow you to have a child, it's also His arrangement. If He bless you with a boy, 
or a girl, all of this were God's blessings. You need not force your way with God. In reality, you need not. For our God knows that. If I will bless you with a child, it's for your benefit or your good. And if I will not give you any child, it's also for your good. But you may never imagine that. Something that will happen to anyone 300 years later, God already knows. Uh, do you find anybody who's 100 years old in our maybe, midst? Uh, maybe no, maybe know. yes, maybe no. Anyone 200 years old? I believe there will be none. How about 300 years old? If anyone who's 300 years old will be in our midst, I'm sure all of you will be scared. Do you know what does this mean? It means that throughout our lives, your whole life of 80 or 90 years. Even if God will bless you with 100 years of age, what are you afraid of? God already know and arranged for things that will happen 300 years later. What more is it? A person who will live several decades. Your life is in God's hands. The entire history of your life is in God's hands. You need not worry. As a pastor, as a man of God, as we serve God with our lives, when you retire, what will you do? You're not a businessman who will look after us. Please remember, I work for the best boss in the world. This is not CVCP. It's my God. He is my best boss and master. The best employer in the whole world. He will look after his employee, his servant. You have the best father in the world. And not your earthly father. Because Jesus said, Those of you who are fathers, You are evil. You are evil. Imagine. Just imagine that. When God, who wants to be our father, tells us, even though if you, you, you fathers who are evil and wicked, and in spite of this, you still want to give good things to your child. How about our father in heaven? Though we are imperfect human fathers, but we praise God. We have the best father in the world. Please remember, you need not worry. If you are a person who trusts in God, your life is in God's hands. The entire history of your life is in God's hands. History is the story of God. History allows us to remember what God has done. 
And by history, we are led to know this great God, dear church. Not only should we know the history, understand history, we need to understand who is the God who controls the entire history. Jewish scholar Nahum Sarna once said, History is not a series of events without cause and effect, without direction and without meaning. History is determined by a wise person or a wise God who reveals his plan with purpose. History is not meaningless story. History is not without direction. History will lead us in accordance to God's plan. Uh, British historian Tony B. once said, We thank God. Whatever we walk, the path is being arranged and prepared by God. Everything that happened in this world, everything that happens to us, is in accordance to how God planned and arranged. If you believe in this, our hands is in God's hands. Our life is in God's hands. You believe that your story is in God's arrangement. What are you afraid of? May God help you. Jesus reminded us, fear not, only trust in me. If you're afraid, then you cannot trust. If you trust, then you need not be afraid. Finally, in the same way, a leader's promotion is in God's hand. If you read verse 3 of Esther chapter 10, Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Cyrus, preeminent among the Jews and held in high esteem by his many fellow Jews because he worked for the good of his people and spoke up for the welfare of all the Jews. When Mordecai became the prime minister, if you recall chapter 4, Mordecai told Queen Esther that Don't you know that this royal position that was given to you is so that you may take advantage of the opportunity today? As if he, he was telling Esther, don't you know that today you are the queen. You should not be a queen for yourself. You should be a queen for other people. Though it's easy to say this, in this last chapter, we found Mordecai in such an elevated royal position. You may ask, is Mordecai there in that position for himself or for others? Especially Christians like us. Uh, we tend to talk a lot. 
you need to have faith. Trust in God. You need not be afraid. Wow, you are so good in extolling and exhorting people. Whenever you see others in trouble, last day cancer, when you see a last stage cancer patient, you need not be afraid. Our lives is in God's hand. Just pray. Very good. Chairman, may I ask? Now we it. On if one day, you yourself would be the terminal stage cancer patient. How will you face such situation? Will you say such thing to yourself? Just trust in God. Let's not be afraid. If I die, then so be it. I don't know. It's easy for you to make such statements. When you are the person facing the problem. I found a note here at the back. Maybe I should... Before the result is released, then you'll be so scared and worried. Why? May God help us. What kind of a person is Mordecai? When he told the queen, Don't you know that you are in this royal position at this time is for the sake of others? When Mordecai arrived at this elevated royal position, we praise God. The talk. We can see evidently from this verse that Mordecai walked the talk. When he uh, received this royal position, truly he worked for other people. And in this particular verse, three things were pointed out. He was held in high esteem by his fellow Jews. He worked for the good of his people. And he spoke up for the welfare of all the Jews. Number one, first, he was held in high esteem by his fellow Jews when he was accorded the prime minister position everyone loved him do you know in this world it's totally the opposite whenever a person is elevated or promoted to a high position many people would hate this person you know why because before the election tendency is all the pre-election promises the commitments were so many and once this person got elected and was installed in the position as if he had totally forgotten about everything. That's the way how the world behaved. A very well-experienced pastor who served for more than 40 years once told me that. Pastor, it's best that you should not ordain any elder in a church. Why? 
Before they are ordained as elder or uh, elected as elder, they are so humble. Once they occupy the position, they'll be proud and arrogant. Before they were appointed as elder, they are so meek and humble, and afterwards they are so arrogant and proud. I believe the statement was made. Throughout his experiences. And after much prayers, and I come to the conclusion that our church would need elders. There's only one singular reason. People who are serving as pastors or ordained ministers, let me tell you, you can hardly find any pastor serving in a singular church for 30 over years. And there's a survey conducted in the U.S. Average tenure of a pastor in a church is on the average three years. Of course, there are so many reasons why pastors would leave a church. Some leave for bad reasons. Others would leave for good reasons. Maybe if God would call that pastor to be a missionary, then the pastor would have to leave the church. Or maybe God would lead this pastor into another ministry, then this pastor will leave. Of course, there are people who leave the church out of anger. However, if a person is ordained as an elder, let me tell you, unless something great happened in the life of this elder. Most of the time, the elder will not leave the church. And he will die in that particular church. The five elders of our church should not go anywhere else. Migrated to another country is not a reason. So forgive it. But in many instances, elders are commanded to a pastor or shepherd the church. If a church would have good elders, foundation of the church will be secured. May the Lord help us. And after a person is elevated, this person should neither be proud nor arrogant. We need to work for God. We need to work for other people. Mordecai was held in high esteem and favored by many people. And Mordecai was a person like that. When he was elevated to the position, the Bible tells us, that the fellow Jews held him in high esteem. Second, Mordecai worked for the good of his people. And the Chinese has this two uh, word uh, called right, Chen Li. It's it composed of two Chinese characters. The first one means authority, and the second one means benefit. Such a meaningful word. If you have authority, if you have power, wealth, and money will follow. And it's the natural, common phenomenon in the world. The higher your position goes, money will look for you. That's what's happening. Of course, in the Philippines, it's like that. It's the same thing in China. 
Throughout the whole world, you could see such phenomenon. And recently, China has this anti-corruption movement. slogan, killing the tiger, meaning uh, the most corrupt official. They target the higher positioned officers or officials. One time, and it was shown in the television, and when the corrupt official was caught, and people use a hammer to destroy a wall. After the wall was destroyed, do you know what they found inside? They found gold behind the walls. Imagine, Just imagine. This corrupt official was storing pure gold behind the wall. And you may ask, how could he amass such wealth? May God help us. When you possess authority and power, you should not be looking for your own benefit. Mordecai was after the welfare of his people. Because he was he reminded Queen Esther that her royal position was for others. May God help us. The third point Mordecai spoke for the welfare of all the Jews. Most of the time. Subordinate will be very respectful and polite when talking to their superiors. And most of the time, the, the words that will be chosen to be respectful and courteous. Unless you're somebody who's about to resign. And you're prepared to leave the company. And your exit interview, you will be shouting or, you know, uh, disrespectful to your boss. I'm about to leave, so I'm not afraid of you. But church, please be, don't be like that. Please remember, even if you dislike your boss, even if you plan to leave your company, please pay attention. You should exit in a nice way. In the same manner you entered an organization or a company should also be the uh, joyful attitude or mood as you exit. You should not be foolish. You should not leave after a quarrel. It's not beneficial to you. It's not good for your record. Many years ago, uh, one of the co-workers was about to leave. I told this person, Pastor, please remember, let's uh, part ways amicably. And you live in amicable ways. Uh, just don't go around spreading uh, false rumors. If you will not live amicably, then there might be no return for you. And I praise God that he understood what I meant. He left peacefully. 
。結果我有機會我請咗嚟講道。And sometimes we invite this person back to preach。好啦，好傾嘛。Because we parted ways amicably。神困啦。In the same way。啲世界也是神啦。It's also the same in this world。但是卡上是阿尼們。But most of the time it's not like that。顶下卡啦，咁顶下啦，讲话卡客气淡薄啦。The subordinate would talk courteously and politely to superiors. 但系相反咧。However, in the reverse. 顶下啦，咁嘢家讲话咧。When the superior is talking to the subordinate. 乌西尊卡无嚟说啦。And sometimes the superior may tend to be bossy and disrespectful. 冇冇真客气啦啦。And maybe the statements made were not polite. 因为咁样。Because I'm your superior. And yet Mordecai is not that person like that. And the Bible, the Chinese translation said that he spoke well for his people. Suddenly, this thing came to my mind. Do you pay attention? Mordecai 从来唔不及下文讲出句好话。If you read the entire ten chapters, you'll find out that not. Not in these chapters have Mordecai had any good words for the villain Haman. He was very displeased whenever he see this person. He would just sit there and he will pay no respect to them. He has neither been cordial nor respectful. Then I realized and understood this. We have different attitude. In our talking to different people, Chinese has this saying: "Neither being inferior nor being arrogant." You are not so self-inferior or self-pity. Neither are you boastful nor proud. Dear Church, no matter what kind of person you'll be facing, there are well-to-do, the wealthy people, or the not well-to-do people who occupy high position and people who do not occupy. Those who are highly educated, those who are not well-educated. Let's remember this principle. Neither should we feel self-pity nor inferior, nor should we be proud nor arrogant. Not because this man is rich. Not because he is powerful. That I feel so self-pity before this person. Not because I do not have money. Or no, not educated. That I can be proud and arrogant before this person. As Christians, we should live a life that is not inferior to ourselves nor arrogant to other people. Whenever God would elevate you to a position, there's a reason. The reason is so that you can speak well for others. If you read Proverbs chapter 31 verses 8 to 9, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. This is God's position. And that's the reason. Why God elevate you to this position? Those who cannot speak well, you should speak for them. 
Those who are destitute, those who cannot defend themselves, you should defend them. Though there are only 10 chapters in the book of Esther, you will never find the word God throughout these 10 chapters. And yet God's hand is evidently clear behind each and every chapter of the book of Esther. Dear church, as we face the end times, Apostle Paul warned us that it's perilous and dangerous times. But please do not forget that. Beside us, behind us, there's this pair of invisible hands. There's an unseen God. God is the one who will lead you through your life. I wonder what kind of situation you may be in, what kind of problems you are currently facing. But please remember that you are not in this alone. Our unseen God is with us. He is there to help us. May God bless you. As we conclude the entire series in the book of Esther. And following this, we'll have a special series. The relationship between a father and a son. It's so unique and special in the Chinese. So the Chinese has this translation. Uh, you'll read it as a father, father. The relationship between father and son, are you close enough? Dear church, father is one of the most important person in a family. The father has this great responsibility behind the wellness of a family. How your sons or daughters would grow up has absolute relationship with you. Five sermons will be prepared. Fatherhood. It talks about the father. Men, let us all learn how to be a God-fearing father. May God bless all of you. Let's pray. Let's pray. Dear God, our Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that you have formed us even while we're still in our mother's womb. You know our ins and outs. You know our thoughts before we have spoke, speak about them. Lord, today, as we conclude the book of Esther, we thank you that in our lives, as we look back, we could see that years after years, chapters after chapters, how your invisible hands has guided us, though we face troubles, though we face challenges, though we face happiness, behind each of these events, we could see God's hand very evidently and clear in our lives. Today, as we look up to you, allow us to continue to trust and have faith in you, knowing that you have formed us in our mother's womb, would surely see us until the day that we meet you face to face. So today, as we depart this place, may your Holy Spirit continue to encourage us, to motivate us, to obey you, and to follow you for the benefit of others and for your glory. Because in Christ's mighty name we pray, amen. Amen.